Amen. Well, if you would grab a Bible, get with me to 1 Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's one in a seat back somewhere nearby you. And if, if you're newer to the Bible, uh, the book of 1 Timothy is this little book towards the back of your Bible. You'll find 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and then you'll come to the book of 1 Timothy. We begin a, a brand new series today called The Household of God. And as you get settled uh, in God's Word in front of you, let me just uh, start with a story. Uh, it was the beginning of uh, August of 2006. Six. And my, my family and I, we had just eaten breakfast at our, our favorite little small town restaurant. And we were standing in the parking lot of Kaiser's Kitchen, it's called, in Lowell, Michigan. And, and we were given hugs because I was, I was setting off for the very first time to go to college. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm going around the circle, hugging mom, hugging dad, hugging my brother and sister and their families. And I'm as nervous as I've ever been on the inside, but I'm trying to, to stay calm and collected on the outside. And um, the the goodbyes were done and I hopped in a sweet Oldsmobile 88. It was sweet. It's like driving a couch down a highway. It was awesome. And uh, I pointed the nose of that south to Crawfordsville, Indiana and Wabash College, which would become home uh, for the next few years of my life. And I was somewhere on 421 South in northern Indiana, uh, surrounded on all sides by cornfield. And, and I remember thinking, where are all the lakes down here? And then I, I also remember thinking I was pondering much deeper thoughts than that. Um, still nervous as, as, as you can imagine. And, and um, it was somewhere in the middle of those cornfields on 421 South um, that I finally noticed a, a note hanging out of the visor of my car. And, and it's this very note right here, 15 and a half years later, I still have the very note, and I pray that I'll have it until the day that I die. And I pulled this, this yellow piece of paper out of the visor of my car, and I opened it up, and I could tell immediately um, it, was, uh, it was the handwriting of my dad. And um, in, there I was, trying to drive a car. Dude, don't do this, right? Don't do this. It was, this was before texting and driving, right? Like some of you are like, whoa, he was born before texting and driving? And, and, I, and I read through this letter, uh, which I will not read to you because it's too special to me, and I will cry if I try. Um, and I remember being in the car, uh, reading this letter from a father to a son, encouraging him and equipping him for the next season of life. And I wept and I folded it back up and I tucked it in my visor where I believe it stayed throughout all of um, my college time and, until I had to say goodbye to that wonderful Oldsmobile 88. And um, it encouraged and equipped me for a next season of life. I start there because as we turn to the book of 1 Timothy, that's exactly what we have. We have a spiritual son or a spiritual father writing to a spiritual son seeking to encourage and equip him for the next season of his life and ministry. And as you, as you open to the book, we're introduced to this, this father-son relationship immediately. The, the book of 1 Timothy begins with this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, and then how does he describe Timothy? What's it say in your Bible? My, my true what? My true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let, let's start with an understanding of the spiritual dad here, the, the Apostle Paul. 
Paul, as we know, he was uh, an apostle, a unique called one, eyewitness to uh, Jesus, the one who pioneered the gospel uh, into many parts of the Roman Empire, who we have 13 of the books of our Bible penned by the apostle Paul. But I want you to notice something he says at the outset. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and then what's it say right, right after that? By what? By, by command of God. Paul, right from the beginning of this letter, as he writes to Timothy, and as he writes these instructions that we're going to find, Timothy is to encourage the church in Ephesus with, he wants us to understand the authority by which he writes. Paul was not an apostle by his own choosing. You don't get to choose to be an apostle. Paul was an apostle by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. And there's a a sense from the very first line of this book, the authority of the one writing. And the authority of the one writing has been given that authority, delegated that authority by Jesus Christ himself. And he writes now to Timothy, who he calls my true child in the faith. And now now, uh, Acts chapter 16 tells us how Paul and Timothy's lives began to intersect. It was the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. He had come to the town in which Timothy had grown up and and, and the Lord brought their lives together and Paul pulls this young Timothy into his ministry fold. And and throughout the, the whole New Testament, we see this beautiful, beautiful ministry that God gave to Timothy. Timothy, again and again and again, was basically used in a beautiful way to establish and encourage young believers and young churches in the faith. And so you, you see this all over. It's exactly what we have in the book of 1 Timothy. Paul's going to say, I, I want you to stay in Ephesus for a purpose. You need to encourage and establish this young church in the faith. But all throughout the New Testament, you see Paul sending Timothy here, or Paul leaving Timothy there to encourage and to establish young believers and young churches in the faith. And it's what he is being assigned to next here. Verse 3 says this, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, and then it says this, remain where? Remain where? Remain at Ephesus. And so uh, if you've been around Redeemer for the last six months, we have spent a lot of time focused on Ephesus. We, we taught through the letter to the Ephesians this past fall. We then uh, walked through the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, of which the first letter addressed was to the church at, at Ephesus. And so Timothy is to remain at Ephesus. Now, this is somewhere mid-60s AD, so about 30 years after the death of Jesus Christ, and he's left there with a purpose. Now, listen. Listen to me now. We're starting a new book. Anytime you start a new book, whether that's a church or whether it's in your own devotional time, one of the first things you should do when you open to a new book of the Bible is see if you can find a purpose statement for why the book is written. If you can find a purpose statement in a book of the Bible, you're then able to orient all the other things you're reading around that purpose statement. And praise God, we have a purpose statement. Paul tells Timothy why he's writing to them. And the purpose statement, as I would lay down, of 1 Timothy is this. 1 Timothy chapter 3 says this. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing, writing these things to you. So always what you want to look for. Why are you writing these things? I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, here it is, 
you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. First Timothy is about this right here, how we are ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so Paul, spiritual fathers, penning this letter to his spiritual son who's staying in Ephesus to establish and encourage this new church on how they are to behave. How are they to, how are they to live out in a God-glorifying way this reality of being a church of the Lord Jesus Christ? And so this is what this series is about. How we are to behave as a household of God. Now, uh, let me tell you something. I realize that in a series like this, so much of the application we're going to come across week to week is not necessarily me application, but we application. And, and let me just preface the beginning of the series. Like we love, like I think our culture loves so much individualized application. But, but let me tell you why this series matters. Because your walk with Jesus is the most important aspect of your life. You agree with that? Your walk with Jesus, there is nothing more important than your vibrant, healthy walk with Jesus. Now, see if you agree, agree with this. You being part of a healthy household of God is one of, the, one of the greatest contributing factors to a healthy walk with Jesus. Do you agree with that? You being part of a healthy household of God is one of the greatest contributing factors to your vibrant walk with Jesus. And so we have to know, how does God want his household to work? We are not, this isn't our house. This is God's house. We are his household. He is the leader of it. He gets to dictate how it is to operate. And so this matters for your personal walk. This matters for the, personal, for the spiritual walk of your family. And this matters for the spiritual walk of this church family. Now, this book is going to bring up some, some amazing things for us to wrestle through as a faith family. Things like this. What should leadership in the household of God look like? Or, or how should men and women who are part of the household of God, how should they operate in the unique callings in which God has called them to within the household? And, and how do we hold to right doctrine as a household of God? And how do we correct wrong doctrine when it gets off? How do we love widows who are a part of our household well? And then as the book begins to end, there's a big theme on how are the wealthy members of the household to use their wealth for the greater good of the household? These are the types of things that the book of 1 Timothy addresses. But Paul begins the letter where he has to begin. That, that if he's going to lay out how the household of God is to operate, there's something he has to address right at the outset. And what he has to address immediately as this letter begins is that Timothy is to help guard good doctrine and get the people at Ephesus devoted to the gospel once again. And this is how the letter begins and I want to give you just kind of the big idea of today in this statement right here. A healthy household of God guards good doctrine and gospel devotion with its sights always aimed at love. A healthy household of God guards good doctrine and gospel devotion with its sights always aimed 
at love. And so let me pray and let's get deeply into it. Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, thank you that we, have, uh, we don't have to lean on our own understanding for the Christian life and for what it means to operate as a church of yours, but you have laid that out for us in your word. And so God, would you work powerfully through your word right now? Holy Spirit, do a great work in our hearts as your word goes forth, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. First point, uh, write it down, it's this. The household of God must guard good doctrine and gospel devotion. Seek to understand what that means here, verse three. As I urged you, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And so, so right out the gates, Paul's like, I, I'm, I'm writing to you so that you'll know how to operate in the household of faith, but, but like right away, Timothy, we gotta talk about something. I'm urging you to stay in Ephesus and what you need to do first and foremost is you need to charge the people that are teaching different doctrines to stop. You, you, need, to, you need to look at the people who are, who are giving themselves to, to, to what he calls myths and endless genealogies to get their eyes back on the gospel. It's the first charge that he gives here. Now, um, there, there's, there's a heresy, and, it, and if you study scholarly circles, they, they'll often call it the Ephesian heresy. And, and, and throughout the book, we'll try to piece together the different elements of, of all the, the, that, that this heresy encompassed or this wrong teaching encompassed in the church, but, but there's nowhere like scripture and verse where we can say, and the Ephesian heresy was dot, 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 dot. But, but David Platt, Tony Merida, Daniel Aiken, they've, they've done some work to help us understand the problems going on in the church in Ephesus at the time. Uh, they, they write this, they were straying in their doctrine. They were preoccupied with myths and genealogies and speculation. Basically, it seems that they were looking at Old Testament stories and Old Testament uh, people, and, and they were pulling in all this extra biblical uh, content to kind of build these, these myths around these people. They misused the law. They were apparently immoral. Their consciences were seared. They were forbidding marriage and certain foods. They, they craved controversy and quarrels. They were using godliness for material gain. There's, there's, there's faction in the church and surrounding the church that are about these things. And Paul says, first things first, Timothy, charge those teaching different doctrine whose eyes are off the simple gospel, charge them to no longer teach this different doctrine. Now, when I use the word doctrine, here's what I mean. I mean uh, the, the teachings about God and about the will of God as the word of God gives us that. When I'm talking about doctrine, I'm talking about the teachings about God and the teachings about the will of God. Where we look for sound doctrine is the middle name of our church, the Bible. Uh, we don't get to create doctrine. We don't get to say, well, well, I know the Bible says this, but I think this. The, God's word guides us into sound doctrine. But there is a human tendency to think at times that we know better 
And we begin to detour or deviate or get derailed off of right and sound doctrine. And let me say this, when that happens, different doctrine leads to dead churches. On the tombstone of most dead churches reads the date they deviated from good doctrine and gospel devotion. I thought I'd get some amens on that one. As you look at the cemetery of dead churches, you can always point back to when they began to deviate away from what the word of God says, thus says the Lord, and this devotion to the simple gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, I want you to see something here. Um, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations, rather than this, rather than this, the stewardship from God that is by what? That is by faith. How is one made right with God? By? By faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens is, when our gospel, when our understanding of the gospel gets off, our doctrine gets off, and when our doctrine gets off, our living gets off. A a right understanding of the gospel leads to right doctrine, what we believe, leads to right living, how we should behave. And do you remember, what is this book all about? Someone tell me. How we ought to behave in the household of God. But, we, but notice this. This book is about how we are to behave, but that's not where Paul starts. Paul starts with coming back to, hey, listen, if we're ever going to get to there, we got to make sure that, that the foundation is relayed of a commitment to the simple gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ and then the doctrine that flows from that gospel message. Uh, so keep that flow if, up if you can, Dakota. Uh, play this out in your own life. Think about an area of your life very practically, how you're living, how you're behaving, that you're like, oh man, I know that doesn't honor the Lord. If you really began to press into that practical issue, what you would find is there's something doctrinally that's out of whack that's driving the way that you're living. And if you really began to press into that doctrinal issue, that that belief issue, what you would probably find is you're living with gospel amnesia. You're forgetting the good, glorious gospel. And so we, as a church, can never lose sight of the right gospel, which must drive right doctrine, which then drives right living. We will never behave like the household of God, the way he's called us to, if we lose sight of the simple gospel and we lose sight of the doctrine flowing from that. And so, this is where Paul begins. He begins by saying, do not get sidetracked off of the simple stewardship of the faith. Let me lay before you, church, the foundation of all of this. You and I were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. We were following the course of this world and we were following the ruler of this world. We were by nature objects of God's wrath. There is no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That is who we were, dead in our trespasses and sins, following the way of the world, following the ruler of the prince of this air. 
objects of God's wrath. But God, out of the great love in which he loved us, he sent his only son, who came, who lived a perfect, sinless life, who never trespassed against the law of God, who took the cross on behalf of us broken sinners, who died on that cross, who was laid in a tomb, who three days later rose victorious over sin and death, and now invites us as broken sinners to a holy God through his perfect atoning work on our behalf. That's the foundation, that's the soil in which all of the doctrine of our church must grow out of. And when we deviate away from that, watch out. And so this is where Paul begins. Now, are you good? Are we good? Is this too heavy? I don't care if it is, right? Like, it's like, it's what the word says. I'm just making sure we're good. Because now, now let me, now, it's really important where Paul goes next. I, I do love you. I promise, I do. Um, it's really important where Paul goes next. Because what Paul says next is this. It's not just good doctrine for good doctrine's sake. Uh, good doctrine isn't actually the end. Good doctrine is a means to an end. Now look at what he says in verse 5. The aim of our charge is... The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Don't miss this now, church. Write it down. The aim of good doctrine and gospel devotion is love. That's the aim. That is the aim. Now, this is really important. Jesus, Jesus expects the household of God, these churches, to be places known by supernatural love. Not, not surfacey love, not compulsive love, not like, oh, I've got to do this because I know I have to, and I'm like one of these church people. I'm a Christian. I know I'm supposed to do these things. It, it's not that love. In fact, look at what it says here. The aim of our charge is love. Think about what an aim is. The goal, the purpose of this charge, to not deviate into different doctrine, to come back to the stewardship of faith, the aim of that is love. Love that issues or love that flows from three things, from a, from a pure heart and a good conscience and a... So this is love that flows from the inside out. This is love that comes from a heart that has been transformed by the gospel. This is love that happens in a household by gospel people. People who have sat with Jesus, who have fellowshiped with Jesus, who are abiding in Jesus, who have received the love of Jesus and out of that love from a pure heart. Only the gospel can give someone a new heart, leading them to love with a pure heart. Only the work of Jesus can do that. You leave it up to me, I'll love you just out of what I can get in return for it. Oh, really? Like, you're going to leave me up here on that? Come on, like, right? Right? 
Only Jesus can propel a pure heart that loves with purity. Uh, Only Jesus can compel a love out of a good conscience, not a heavy conscience. Not heavy conscience love. I'm always just so weighed down that I gotta love these people in this way. I feel so heavy about it. Only Jesus, the work of the gospel, can free one into gospel love. Not compulse out of a heavy conscience kind of love. Love that flows from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. To recognize the love in which God has shown us out of this gospel faith and compel that love out to others. This is, what's the aim of good doctrine and gospel devotion? What's the aim, church? It's love. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Uh, Can I make a note here? 30 years later, roughly 30 years later, Jesus would dictate to John a letter to this church. We just studied in the book of Revelation. It's the first letter we looked at. Do you remember what Ephesus was? The, the, the truth-lacking love church. They had gotten the charge, but they had missed the aim. So easy to do, right? So easy to do, right? We're a Bible church. We make no qualms about it. We teach what the Word of God says. We teach it even if it's not like the culturally hot thing to do. We, we preach the word in season and out of season. Like we're a Bible church. We want to hold the sound doctrine that flows right from the word of God. But you know what we can never lose sight of, church? The aim of that. In 2004, Matt Emmons, he's an Olympic rifle shooter. He had won the uh, 50-meter prone position rifle shoot. He was on um, the, the, the 50-meter uh, men's three-position rifle shoot, and uh, he had gold all but wrapped up. He had one shot left, and, and he just had to shoot the target within, within, some, within some sphere of the target that basically a sharpshooter like him could have done with his eyes closed. And he set his sights, he pulled the trigger, direct hit right through the bullseye, but, but the, the sound that goes off to indicate points, it didn't go off. Why? He shot at the wrong target. From first place to eighth place, just like that. Don't miss the aim of good doctrine and gospel devotion. Don't load your rifle of right doctrine and miss the whole purpose of it. We don't want to be a church committed to right doctrine just to become theological fatheads. God doesn't command us to be a church of right doctrine just to win theological arguments or to look down on all the other people that we think are getting it wrong. Do you know why God is so passionate about his church not deviating to a different doctrine and different gospel? Because he wants this place to be marked with a supernatural love that only can be created with a right doctrine and a right understanding of the gospel. And my prayer for us is, my prayer for us as a church is that when people walk in here, they're like, man, those people are crazy. Like they actually believe what the Bible says. 
Like they still believe what the Bible says. Like they'll, they'll teach even the hard things that the Bible says. And like when I looked around, all the people are like nodding like, yeah, they agree with that. My, that is my prayer. A Bible church until we die. Never deviating from it. Never detouring from it. Thus says the Lord. But you know what my prayer is accompanied with that? Is people walk in and go, And I've never experienced almost this supernatural love like I experienced in their midst. Only Jesus Christ can produce that in a church. That's the prayer. Because that's the aim. The aim is love. Now, remember, Paul's giving this instruction in the midst of a context of, of heresy that's going on in the church of Ephesus, and, and so he wants to come back and address this issue here. Verse 6, he says, certain persons, by swerving from these, I think what he's referring to with these there is the, the love that issues from a pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into what? Is it easy to get caught up in vain discussions? Right? Is it easy? Again and again in this book, this is going to be a topic. And it's not just a topic for these first century Christians. It's a topic for us as Facebook Christians. Again, I'm all for the redemptive use of social media. Like, I'm not social media bashing. But how easy is it to be like, vain discussion. Let's go. <laughs> Too far? We get, we'll get more into that as the book goes on. I can't give away too much of my content yet about that. So you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed, okay? You'll be blessed. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. That's funny. That's funny. Paul's funny there. Paul, the Bible's funny, okay? Like, the Bible has humor. Like, Paul's like, man, these people, they're like swerving off into vain discussions because they're desiring to be teachers of the law. But when they stand up and teach these things, they don't even know what they're talking about. Every teacher's greatest fear, right? You stand up and you're like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. That's what the reality. And Paul says, back to what he has commanded Timothy from before, charge these people not to teach any different doctrine. Third thing, write it down. When teachers in the household swerve, that's the word Paul uses, when they swerve, this gospel love is under threat. Think about what happens when we swerve. I was a teenager, I was driving my car home late one night, and uh, there was kind of this S-curve on the country roads um, leading to my house, and so I came around the second curve, and as I came around that second curve, there was Bambi standing right there in the road in front of me, and so I did what you're not supposed to do. I swerved, and swerved, I missed Bambi. Bambi's okay, okay? My Ford Taurus was not okay, right? I swerved, tailspin out into the, you know, car into the side of a tree, when you swerve into different doctrine, you tailspin, and then you're wrecked. He says certain persons, by swerving from these, they've wandered off 
away from the beauty of the simple gospel, away from the sound doctrine that flows from the simple doctrine, they have wandered off into, away into vain discussion. And this is how it often happens, right? First you wonder, then you wander, then you're wrecked. There's nothing wrong with wondering. In fact, you should read your Bible going like, asking questions, God help me understand, there's nothing wrong with wondering, but first you wonder, then you wander, then your faith, as Paul will say in a passage we'll study next week, is shipwrecked. So they've wandered into these vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law, desiring to be abusers of the law, seeming to be propagating a gospel not of grace by faith, but of grace plus works and grace plus other things, which is no gospel at all. And when leaders swerve, watch out. Watch out. Now, what we need as God's people in the household of God In order to understand when doctrine begins to swerve or when teachers begin to swerve, we need Holy Spirit discernment. We need Holy Spirit discernment. Because here's the deal. Often a teacher doesn't get up and say, I'm about to preach to you a gospel of works. Right? But we live in an age where you you can access teachings about the gospel Hours and hours on end through, through YouTube, through other things. It's all good. Like, praise the Lord for these mediums that get the word of God out. I'm just saying we need Holy Spirit discernment to make sure what we're taking in is in accordance with a right understanding of the gospel and right doctrine. Sometimes people tell me, oh, man, I was just listening to this guy. And can you believe? I'm like, oh, don't listen to that guy. Well, why? He's saying, he's saying Christian-y things, but it's not in accord with the right understanding of the gospel and right doctrine. I'm not just trying to be like a judgmental Bible teacher. I'm trying to keep our faith on the rails. Right gospel, right doctrine that leads to the aim of love of which God is doing a supernatural work in his household of faith. That's what I want to be a part of. Is that what you want to be a part of? And it's so important that we do not swerve. A healthy household of God guards good doctrine and gospel devotion with its sights always aimed at love. This is where Paul knew he had to begin the discussion with Timothy. That if this is a letter about how the household of God is to behave, he knew he needed to start by addressing where the doctrine had veered in the church and how that doctrine had veered from just a simple foundation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so church, if you would stand with me, I wanna send us out of here, but I wanna send us out of here with a bit of a charge. Um, The charge from today is this, that we would guard good doctrine, that we would be people of the word of God, who are looking to the word of God to give us our understanding of who God is and how he calls his people to live. That that we would be passionate to understand it. And so we know when there's teaching and when there's content that deviates from that, that we can correct that different doctrine. I pray that we'd be people who guard good doctrine 
and gospel devotion. I pray even more in that, that we would never miss the aim of it. That the whole purpose of believing in the right things about God is to be a community, a family, a household of his that accurately displays the perfect love of this great God. Amen? Amen. Hey, I want to invite you, if you're new here, step one, right down in this corner, we would love to have 10 minutes to meet you. And uh, if you're not staying for step one, uh, one of the things that will help us when step one happens here, if you will uh, make your way to the lobby uh, for your conversations, that would be a great help. Redeemer, you are loved and you are sent. We'll see you right here next Sunday. Have a great week.